welcome to the podcast that explores eudaimonia. Euda what? Eudaimonia is the pursuit of well-being based on our individual needs, which I love because we are all unique and therefore our pursuit of wellness should be unique too. I'm a big fan of individualized, personalized care. There's no one size fits all. I'm your host, Emily Geiser. I'm a nature-loving, spiritually curious health and life coach who rarely runs out of questions, so I decided to host an interview-style podcast so that I can ask all the questions that I want. Each week, we'll dive into topics of personal development, nutrition, spirituality, mental health, and well-being with guests who generously share their tools and expertise. If you enjoy what you hear, please be sure to follow on Apple or subscribe on Spotify. It helps the podcast and you'll be alerted each week when a new episode drops. Let's dive in. Before we drop into my interview about blood sugar hacks with a fellow health coach, I want to encourage you to stay open and curious to the role of blood sugar imbalances in your life and your health. These are fueled by sugar or foods your body digests like sugar. Often clients are surprised by the amount of sugar they eat and also attach the idea that it's hard to make a positive change in this department. I hear friends say like, I've always had a sweet tooth. It's just who I am. Okay, maybe. Kids are wired to crave sweets. It was a way to keep them safe in the wild. The sweet tasting berries were the safer ones. However, now that our diets consist of so many processed foods containing added sugars and dessert can be a daily indulgence, the balance is off and it's ruining our metabolic health. If you aren't sure what metabolic health is, heads up. Doctors are suggesting this should be the number one focus of health today. And I shared the Cliff Note version in an earlier episode. It's episode number seven called Food, Diet, and Weight. Oh my. And if you want to do something simple to improve your metabolic health, I've got something for you. A free opportunity to ditch the worst food for your metabolic health. Hint, it's sugar for just five days to give yourself a reset and some repair. So you can join my free sugar shake-off today. We start September 11th. I think every woman should treat herself to this experience, so I want to make it accessible to all. Did I say it's free? If you have an email address, you can participate. Well, I've mentioned before that I basically grew up dieting and trying to change my shape, It was a sugar detox that really set me on a path for true health and well-being. Glucose is your body's source of energy. Every single cell uses it. But the problem is we can get too much, which leads to issues with fertility, PCOS, belly fat, prediabetes, insulin resistance, cravings, brain fog, acne, constant hunger, joint pain, and so much more. So let's dive in so you can learn how to balance your blood sugar levels. And in my Sugar Shake Off, I teach you how to have your cake and eat it too. Today, we have Michelle Reekman with us. She is a personal trainer, yoga teacher, and a health coach with her doctorate in physical therapy. She helps women who have put themselves on the back burner finally get in shape, optimize their metabolism, and lose weight for good without dieting. Here, here. I am thrilled to be having this blood sugar conversation with a fellow health coach, someone who also has experienced the power of food as medicine. So I'm really eager to hear your story, Michelle, and how you found that balancing blood sugar positively impacts your health and your clients. And so maybe we can start first with a little bit about your own 
health background and the role of food as medicine for you? Yeah. So I've always been interested in health, but so I have four kids. After my third child, I found it really hard to take care of myself. And I think this happens with a lot of women, whether you have kids or not, you get busy with work and you just put yourself on the back burner. And I remember going up a flight of stairs and feeling out of breath. I'm like, whoa, I'm like way too young for this because as we age, things just slow down. Like, I don't want this to happen. And it went back to this idea of, I didn't need to do a long workout. I could do a 10-minute workout. I didn't need to follow a certain diet. I just needed to eat healthier. And a lot of times we know some of those basics. Sometimes we need a little help with piecing that together. But it really went back to this idea of just going back to the basics and really wanting to live a life where I just felt good, where I could keep up with my kids. If they were going to run into the street, I could run after them. Or now that my kids are getting a little bit older, like I want to go on hikes. I want to have an active family and really keeping those goals in mind, not just that weight loss goal or that certain size people want to be, but really keeping that bigger goal, that bigger motivation in mind. So that's what I love helping people do. I love that you're highlighting exercising and eating well for age and so that we can feel awesome as we continue to age, right? And not just naturally slow down and feel lethargic and become weak and in pain. Yeah, yeah. And especially a lot of the people I work with are mid-30s, getting in the 40s and 50s, even 60s, and really starting to make that shift from, I'm done dieting, but I don't know what to do. Yeah. And I really want to take care of myself. And especially with blood sugar, as women are going from that perimenopause, menopause, blood sugar regulation can pop up a little bit more. And it really goes back to that idea of taking care of our bodies so that as we age, we can still feel good and move good and have our health. I have really found this time in perimenopause to highlight a lot about diet and lifestyle. It's like it kind of puts a spotlight on things. So tell me what you have found about that. Yeah, because as you get older, your body isn't quite as resilient as it was in your 20s. Like, so if you could eat junk food all weekend, you might rebound a little quicker. But as you get older, that typically doesn't quite happen as easily, especially for women. So I love sort of helping people really find these ways to be healthy and be healthy on the inside. And one of those things that comes up is learning how to balance our blood sugars. And typically when we think about blood sugar, we probably have had like a fasting glucose test or something like that where they're checking your blood sugar. But what most conventional doctors do not check is insulin or your insulin resistance. And this happens before your blood sugar numbers go up. So I don't know why. I'm sure it has to do with the drug companies and all that, but it is not cut up into our conventional medicine. So insulin resistance is so typically when we eat something either most of the time, high carb or high sugar, that sugar is entering our bloodstream because our food is energy for us. So we just aren't eating for pleasure. We need that food for energy. So sugar enters our bloodstream. And then what happens is the pancreas is going to pump out the hormone insulin. And that helps to get that blood sugar into the cells so we can actually use that. But over time, what happens is when you keep having this high blood sugar, especially if you tend to eat a lot of carbs or sugar, different things like that, where it's pretty high all the time, is the cells stop responding to that insulin. 
And so that's where insulin resistance comes into place. So your body keeps trying to make more insulin, but it has now become resistant to it. And then eventually when that's happened for a while, that's where we'll start to see the blood sugar higher or eventually diabetes. So this part, we don't really know. We're not aware of. But this is where we can do something. Even after you get high blood sugar tests, you can still make these lifestyle changes. So I find this really helpful to help women start to become aware of. So typically, if you're having poor blood sugar balance, you might be hungry one and a half to two hours after you just ate. Your energy might feel unsteady. You might feel that crash or fatigue, or you might have cravings. So our brain takes the most energy. So when our blood sugar is low, it makes us want a quick carb. So can you guys think of a time when you just like ran into your pantry, you wanted the potato chips or crackers or granola bar, something that's a quick carb. And that's because your brain feels like it's an emergency and it needs to get something into your blood really fast. It needs that quick spike. So when we're on that blood sugar roller coaster, we're going to have those ups and those downs. And that's really what we want to avoid. We want to try to make sure our blood sugar is more balanced. So I love helping clients start to piece these, piece this together because it's not about following a diet. It's about what can I do to eat healthier and make my body function better, even though I can't see. I mean, people can test their blood sugar. You can get it, but most of us aren't doing that. So how can I eat better and eat healthier, even without knowing these exact numbers. And we can do that by following some basic principles. I think that's so important. I feel like we outsource so much of our well-being to these outside numbers, right? To closing our rings and the, and all these outside factors. And what you're highlighting is like, actually by tuning in to how we feel and how we're responding, we can really know Maybe not entirely 100%, but we can know a lot about what to do to help our body heal, feel better, thrive, you know? Yes. And I was just sharing, like, no device is going to help you. A device in itself, whether that's a watch that tells you your steps or the ring or getting a blood sugar monitor, because you actually have to put action into whatever it is. So it doesn't really matter. Sometimes those can be helpful. So I'm not saying don't have them. But it's really the action, those daily habits that you're taking that is going to matter. And I think you're really highlighting here in your own experience and with your clients that we have so much agency in our well-being, right? We don't have to take a pill to feel better. We can actually change diet and lifestyle, which I think becomes really like a cliche saying. Yeah. It's the most, I have found it to be the most powerful thing I can do to feel awesome. Yeah, because so many people, they have tried so many different things by the time they work with me. They've tried different diets. They've bought different gadgets, different things, all this stuff, and they're still in the same place. And you find as a coach, it goes back to these habits that we've had in grain. Maybe it's like something in childhood. You were given food when you were sad. You were given food when you were happy, and you have to break down some of these patterns. And there might be some new pieces of information you might need to learn and tweak things. But having that accountability really moving forward is a lot of the time what makes a difference. Mark your calendars. My free five-day sugar detox starts soon. I have three different levels that I offer, ranging from just basic eliminating white sugar to eliminating all sweeteners. 
in managing your glycemic load. So here's a little side note. We're not ditching sugar because sugar itself is bad. We're ditching it because a reset is really helpful for changing your cravings, improving your skin, improving your energy, reducing that belly bloat, and just establishing a new relationship with sugar. Because sugar's not bad, it's just the amount that we eat that has become a problem. It's making us sick, quite honestly. And I don't mean like you might be having more colds, though it does weaken our immune system, but like it accelerates the aging in our skin and the inflammation and pain in the body. It adds to stubborn weight. It creates all kinds of hormonal imbalances, leads to prediabetes. It's just really important to occasionally recalibrate that relationship. I have found it to be transformational in my own health. When you take sugar out of your diet, even just for five days, you notice benefits very quickly. So this sugar shake-off begins after Labor Day. Grab your spot and you'll receive emails ahead of time with some helpful recipes and tips that set you up for success. And then you'll receive an email on each day of the five-day detox helping to keep your mindset in the right place so that you can feel successful. Of course, you can find details below in the show notes, on my website, on Instagram. Sign up today. It's not getting a stopwatch or it's not getting a continuous glucose monitor. It's really trying to figure out how to build these healthy habits into your life. Okay, so you have some awesome hacks that you share with people. So do you want to share some of those with us? Yeah. So one thing with the blood sugar is to eat food in the right order. So it's interesting. So the way you eat food can vary how your blood sugar spikes. So if, for example, you eat non-starchy vegetables, so think like cucumbers or lettuce, and your protein, so think a piece of chicken, if you eat that first, and you can have some fat too, And then at the end of the meal, you're eating your starch or your carbohydrate last. Your blood sugar is going to spike less versus if you have it flipped. So if you're eating that potato first and then some veggies and protein, your blood sugar is going to spike a lot higher when you're eating that carb first because that protein and the fiber from the non-starchy vegetables is almost it creates like a protective mesh and it really slows that like down. So a simple thing of swapping your food order can be really helpful. And also when you do this, you get the bonus of feeling fuller faster. So when you're eating those veggies, getting fiber and getting protein first, you're also going to feel full faster. So that is one great simple thing to do. You can eat the same thing, but sort of switch the way you're eating it. Number two here is have a savory breakfast. So typically when we think of breakfast in America, there's bagels, there's cereal, there's oatmeal. I mean, you name it. We just, me and my husband just went somewhere and we stayed at a hotel. And oh my goodness, if you look at the breakfast at hotels, I mean, they're not very healthy. And we went to one and they didn't even, usually they have like a sausage or something. This one didn't even have that. But, you know, it's pancakes, it's waffles, then they have the bread and the bagels and yogurt that's filled with sugar. So that's our breakfast. So when we start with breakfast, like our typical American breakfast, we're going to get that blood sugar spike right off starting in the morning. Then eventually it's going to dip. Then we're going to want it to go back up. And we start that blood sugar roller coaster. So a savory breakfast means maybe you're going to have eggs. 
If you're having a smoothie, maybe using berries and making sure you're getting protein and fat in it, but really figuring out how to have more of a savory breakfast built around protein and hopefully some a little bit of vegetables in there too can make a big difference. And then you sort of start your day off right. And as I'm going to go through this and give you guys some more, I always like people to just pick one or two things to start with. So as you hear me saying these ideas, think of one thing you want to start with and then maybe come back to this after you got that other thing down because don't feel like you have to do all these because typically people have more success when they start smaller, when we just pick one or two things to start with, get consistent and add another thing. All right. So the next one is only eat whole fruit with a fat or protein. Now, berries are typically lower on the glycemic index, so they won't spike your blood sugar as much. But when you're having whole fruit, so this means no apple juice, no orange juice, because those are big blood sugar spikes. You've taken the fiber, you've taken other good things out of it when you turn it into a juice. So for example, if you're having an apple, is to also have some fat or protein with it. That's one of my favorite snacks is like an apple with some peanut butter. Or you can do the almond butter. But most of those fruits, if you can have a fat or protein or a handful of nuts with them or something like that. And if we go back to that first one, can we have, if we're having nuts with it, maybe we eat our nuts first, then we're eating the fruit so that our blood sugar won't spike as much. One of my other favorite ones is to use your muscles 10 minutes after meals. So this was super interesting. And they found this by taking people's blood sugar. So if after you eat, you get up and walk, maybe you dance in your house, do some housework, go up and down your stairs, using those muscles, that helps to bring that glucose that's in your bloodstream into your muscles to use. So people will have different blood sugar spikes. So if you walk after your meal or get some movement in, your blood sugar isn't going to spike as high. So you can literally eat the same things, but that movement is going to make a difference and not let your blood sugar spike as high. So that's one of my favorite ones. And also most of us need to get more steps in. We live in a pretty sedentary society. So it's a great way to get steps in and move our bodies like they were intended to, but also it helps to balance that blood sugar and not let it spike as high. And the last one is if you are going to have a dessert, have it at the end of a meal. So it sort of goes back to the idea of getting our protein and fiber in first. And then if you want that dessert, have it after you've had some stuff. And obviously the health too, watch the portion size. But having all that stuff first and having the dessert at the end will help that blood sugar. And it's also going to minimize any sugar cravings or things like that when you already have something in your system. I love that. I'm a big fan of managing my own blood sugar because I grew up with my mom who talked a lot about being hypoglycemic. And as I reflect back on how she managed it, she just wasn't given the information to know how to manage it well. But our days were really kind of reactive to her blood sugar levels. You know, it was a, it was a big part oh. of my childhood. And so it's been interesting for me to learn how much agency we have in this. And even I have found working with clients who have very sensitive or reactive blood sugar levels, helping them almost heal and repair those to be more responsive. But the walking after meals, any meals, whether you have dessert or not, but especially if you have dessert, like I'm pretty sensitive to sugar and I love it, of course, because we're wired to love it, right? 
So I can feel that if I've had too much and that I can just tell how that feels, if I go take a walk, it's a very different experience with myself the rest, like for the next hour than if I don't. Yeah, because again, food is energy. And a lot of times we don't think about that in our culture, in our world today. So if we are taking that energy we just put into our bloodstream, that does spike it higher. And then actually pulling that into our muscles and using it like how it was intended to be, because generally we used to be more active people. I mean, think of not long ago, people had to like wash their clothes by hand in a wash tub and like just all the energy expent for these household tasks that we really don't have today. For sure. Going and gathering water and all of that. I'm curious for you as a parent of four kids, how you talk to them about sugar. Yeah. So it's not banished in our house and my kids don't eat perfectly, but it's really about having balance and teaching them what our body actually needs. Our body needs these vegetables. Our body needs some fruits and kids most likely need more carbs than we do. They're typically more active um, and their bodies are growing rapidly too. So they need just a little bit different than what we do, but I also don't believe that we as moms or adults should be eating way different than our kids and following a certain diet. We really want to be teaching them how to eat healthy. So some things we do in our house is like when they make their lunches, they have to take a fruit or fruit and vegetable in their lunch. They pack them now. And also at dinner, we're always having a vegetable with our meal too. So we're teaching them to put those healthy things in there. And then usually... We go in and out of this rule, but we usually have like the five-a-day rule for them. And a rule is to just give them some structure, to give us some structure so we're not nagging or fighting with our kids. But we had a -a five-a-day rule for them. And they had to have at least three vegetables, non-starchy vegetables, and they could have two fruit. But they could also just have five vegetables too. So they had to have at least three. And if they have that after dinner, they could have a treat and a small treat you know, sugar, ice cream, whatever it is that usually my husband buys at the store. (laughs) So, but we just have that rule or structure. And I'm not a big person, especially for us creating rules and absolutely can't haves. But I've also found that with some of my clients, it is helpful to have some structure to say for adults, for I'm going to have two sweets a week. And it really makes them focus on those sweets they enjoy. So they're, they're just not eating mindlessly, but they're actually being more intentional. So sometimes rules can actually help us create a little more structure and give us boundaries. And I think that's also why people are drawn to diets. Because when you go on a diet, it's very structured. It's very rigid. And most of the time you can't sustain it. But if we can take that idea of just taking a little bit of what rule would help me stay healthy and something that I can do most of the time. So I got a little sidetracked there, but with our kids, we try to just teach them those basic things and teach them that, hey, your body really doesn't function well, even though you really enjoy it when you have a lot of sugar and you don't eat well too. But we're not being so rigid that things are off and they can't have it at all and it's become something bad. Well, I appreciate that you're focusing on the positive too and what they can bring in. So the focus is like, here's this goal for fruits and vegetables. And I've done a lot of work with kids and healthy eating, just my own, but also I used to be a teacher and it was, I would bring it into the classroom and such. And kids love learning about how their body works and they like learning about this thing that they do 
every day and and how it fuels them. And I found that kids would get really excited about like eating as many colors of the rainbow as we can. I mean, there's such inspiring ways to bring nutrition to kids rather than like punitive, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's hard because there is so much junk food out there. And at school, the kids like, I'll say constantly, it's probably an exaggeration, but they're constantly like rewarded with with candy or treats. For sure. And it drives me crazy, but I get that it's a cheap reward that the teachers can use. But we're constantly bombarded or you go to like the sports games. And I mean, it's like a treat at every game. Like, I don't know what we're getting a treat for here. Like you signed up to play and you're having fun. Like we don't need like, and sometimes some parents will give like a big treat bag, like with multiple things. (laughs) So we're constantly bombarded. So we really need to help to teach our kids what their body actually needs. And that idea of like, let's eat the healthy things first. Let's make sure we're filling up on that first. And then you can have your treat or whatever it was that you got. Love it. If we were to go back to the conversation of blood sugar, can we talk a little bit more? I don't know that we've touched on this about like what you have found or what you know is downstream of these blood sugar spikes. I have found it. It's like, you know, I know that insulin and estrogen have a, and cortisol have a very tight relationships. So I know that it throws hormone balance really for a loop. What else do you talk about with your clients? Yeah, exactly. And I feel like people start to struggle with that a little more in that perimenopause and then going into menopause. And especially at that time, you might start putting on a little more belly fat and that can be another sign of insulin resistance. And again, our doctors aren't testing for this and they're not really talking about it. But it's something that you can work with in your lifestyle without exactly knowing these numbers. And there's really not a risk to eating a little bit healthier and doing some of these things. So even though you may not know if you're actually insulin resistant, you can do some of these things. And it's really about eating healthier. But also, as you mentioned, cortisol. So a lot of times... I mean, it can be harder at the perimenopause, menopause, but really any time in our life when we're stressed, that cortisol spikes. And that can have a big impact on our health. It can have an impact. Our stress can cause our blood sugar to spike without even eating anything. So it has a huge impact. So there's no easy solution to that. But if you know that you're experiencing a lot of stress, maybe you're having trouble sleeping, you're having anxiety, or you're feeling depressed, is to figure out ways to start working on that. So maybe you need to work with someone. Maybe you just need to incorporate more quiet time. Deep breathing can be so helpful. I'm a yoga teacher, but that is one of my favorite things because it's something so easy to do. So when you learn how to take a deep belly breath, so that means when you're breathing in, your belly is expanding. And then when you're exhaling, your belly is sinking in. And when you can start to slow your breath, it brings you into your calming nervous system. So we call that your parasympathetic nervous system. So it takes you out of that stress, out of that fight and flight and brings you into a calming nervous system. And when you can stay more in that system, then your hormones and other things can start to work better because there is like this cascade of hormones and different things that happens in our body that we're not even aware of. So definitely if stress is something that you're struggling with, is starting to get some tools or working with someone because that impacts your health 
so, so much. It affects our brain. It affects our gut. It affects all these different systems. And it's really something that's often overlooked in our healthcare system is just that impact of what that stress is having. And it's almost like a touchy subject too. So it's sometimes it's a little hard to talk about and it's a little hard to sometimes even be self-aware about too how, what our stress is and how it's affecting us because sometimes we feel like it, that we can't change things too. Mm-hmm. So we can feel a little stuck in it. Yeah, I think of stress as like the ultimate junk food. I know. Yeah. So I'm just, I want to like piece this apart a little bit more because I know that maybe unless you've been diagnosed with having blood sugar issues, you may not even know that you have blood sugar issues. So I also recommend and see it in people who have sleep issues. One of the first things, if we help them manage their blood sugar, it helps with sleep because that middle of the night waking can really be a result of that, right? Yeah. Skin issues. You mentioned the belly fat moodiness, like foggy thinking, irritability, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes back to the brain. Having that low energy, that fogginess in our brain, because we want to keep that blood sugar more stable. So I don't have any blood sugar problems. I haven't, but I continue to eat healthy blood sugar wise. So even though I'm not having problems, This is how I'm choosing to eat because I don't want problems down the road because a lot of times with blood sugar, it can take a long time to eventually get to diabetes. People don't get to that overnight. It's a long 10, 20, even 30 years of being hard on your body, hard on your system, hard on your pancreas that is releasing that insulin. And then eventually you're going to see problems, but I don't want to get there. I want to fuel my body and I want to feel good too. I want my brain to work as well as well as it can. I want my energy to be up and managing my blood sugar is something that definitely does that. Love it. Michelle, thank you for sharing all these hacks with us and this really good insight on blood sugar. I hope that people take this and like you said, just choose one thing to play around with and notice how it impacts your day, your sleep, your cycle, and maybe stack another thing on your next cycle. That's kind of a nice way to do that. Before I ask you the question, I ask all my guests about their morning routine. I'm curious if there's anything else that you want to share that I haven't asked you. Yeah, I think one thing to just sort of end this with is just like a sample meal. So you guys can like have an example of what a healthy blood sugar meal might look like. So something I ate recently was I had some tomatoes put a little salt and pepper and basil and olive oil. So I'm getting some fat. I'm getting the non-starchy vegetables in there. And I had cucumbers with it. And then I also had turkey. So I had my protein. So think of this. I'm eating my non-starchy vegetables, my protein first with a little fat with the olive oil. And then towards the end of that meal, I had some butternut squash that was cooked and chopped up with some walnuts. So then I had a carb at the end of it. So it's sort of a great way to think of how to eat your meals and how to change it. So not only am I getting healthy nutrients, but I'm also making sure that I'm stabilizing my blood sugar. Love it. It's nice to have the visual, right? And you can like actually go into your kitchen and kind of recreate that. Yeah. Okay, so I'm big into morning routines, morning rituals. I think setting the tone for the day has been really important for me, and it has looked different in different phases of my life. 
I'm curious if you have a morning routine and if so, what it looks like. Yeah. And I love you brought that up too, because different seasons, I definitely change what I do. And I think it's something important as we're thinking about our health too, is there's different seasons, you know, as kids start school or summer or different things, we have to take that time to adjust and reassess what we need. So my current morning routine is I get up and I read a book, a spiritual book, and then I usually do a Bible study. And then it varies. So I try to have about an hour chunk of time, which this is new for me because I used to not spend this much time on my morning routine. So I'll do some of that reading, some praying, and then it varies a little bit. I might do a yoga. I might do a walk. I live in Phoenix, so it's super hot here right now. So I haven't walked as much lately, but I have this hour time set aside and I don't go on my phone. I don't go on any electronics till after that hour. So I try to fit these routines in that fuel me and help me really refresh for the day. So that's how I have been starting my morning for the past few months now. I love it. Mine changes frequently too. You have four young kids. I'm just curious, do you, do you get up an hour before they wake up or are they awake and they know that mom needs her time? Yeah, so I have, I set an alarm for six. Sometimes I wake up before that, sometimes I don't. And they usually get up at seven. So most of the time it is before they get up. And if they do wake up, they usually just sort of go downstairs by themselves. So most of the time I don't get interrupted, but that's not always true. Yeah, that's part of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for spending time with us today and sharing your expertise. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. If you love what you heard, please hit follow and pass along to a friend. You can help others find this podcast more easily by taking a moment to rate and review. And if you're curious what it's like to work with me or just want to learn more about the work I do in optimizing your own wellness, head to my website, emilygeiser.com. You can connect with me directly on Instagram at emilygeiser. Links for those are in the show notes. I'll be back next week and hope you will be too. Until then, think good thoughts and go for them. Mm -hmm.